Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be De Beer. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. We are the show that's getting you over the game line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. And boy, are there some hot topics to discuss tonight. I'm Reg Roberts once again, and joining me uh, this week is Hugh Cavill. How are you going, Hugh? I'm good, Reg. Good to see NRC back, and I think there's a few things that have come up today we can talk about, maybe. Yes, we'll, we'll get to NRC, and if it is NRC season, what does that mean? Obviously, everyone, we get Brett McKay on the show with us. Brett, how are you, Brett? <laughs> oh, set your watch by it, you likes. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> no, good, good, well, good, good to be back, and uh, and what a day to be back yeah. too. Yeah, I know, and we will get to the NRC, but we have um, a bit to talk about before we get there. Um, uh, with a lot of activity today. Again, we record this Tuesday and a lot of activity that we'll we'll get to in a second. I am going to um, go through our five burning questions before we uh, we start digging into them individually. So the first question is, what does today's New South Wales Supreme Court ruling mean for Super Rugby and the Force? Question two, how did the Wallabies beat the box this weekend? Question three, NRC, uh, what was the standout performance uh, in that first round of the NRC. Question four, who caught your eye in the NRC? And we're looking for a star and possibly an unknown player as well. Or, you know, a known and an unknown uh, there as well. And question five, do you think the attacking focus of the NRC will will remain? Um, lots of tries, lots of points scored. And uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But joining us to, to um, dig into this Western Force hearing, we've... we've uh, you guys know him if you follow Green and Gold Rugby. He's a, a great contributor to societies. Probably, do we call you the, the founder or the, uh, the, the, the guy who thought up the concept of the Ben Robinson Bell? Perhaps the guy who knows more about the Ben Robinson Bell than Ben Robinson himself. Um, <laughs> but he's also, also a lawyer and, and, and very um, is here to give us the legal insight here. You might know him as Pablo365. We know him as Pablo as well. But it's Paul Jaretska. Or, or words to those effect. Paul, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, thanks, thanks, Reg. But Bay 35, Pablo, actually. I'm not sure who Bay 365 no. is. It might be some South African bloke getting confused now. <laughs> Either way. That's, that's, um, the, that's, that's the corporate takeover by the bookmakers, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's the no, Rebel League of your name, mate. As bought by Twiggy Forrest, yep. So, now, look, <laughs> thanks for having me on, on Reg. Uh, I can't take full credit for, obviously, the Ben Robinson Bell, because, obviously, you played a large partner, along with uh, good old and Matt Rowley, but it was nice to get that one over the line. Yeah, it was very nice, and and, and better yet, when Ben Robinson actually realised what it was all about on the weekend. <laughs> I did, oh, I, well. and, I, and I know we're talking NRC already, but I did see a photo that the Rams tweeted of um, Jed Holloway holding the Horan Little Shield, full credit to him, and Matt Mason holding the bell. I don't know why they're giving the bell away in the first round already, but um, we can deal with that another time. <laughs> um, well, that's what, biggest, that's what I, they'll, call, they'll call the lawyers in, and uh, we'll take care of it. <laughs> I think they've got they're on the hotline of the AU at the moment. So <laughs> big things to fright at the moment. It's been a massive day in Australian rugby, and I don't know how many times Hugh we've talked about this. At least we've said that um, about a podcast topic because it it is. I'm not going to say the gift that gives on giving, giving, but the topic that keeps on being talk, uh, discussed and uh, the the latest. Uh, 
um, I guess, occurrences today are, I guess, stemmed from the latest legal action, Paul, which is why I'm keen to get your insight, your, both the great rugby knowledge, but also of the legal system. So do you want to give us a bit of a rundown of what's happened today and, and what led up to it, specifically around the arbitration hearing? Yeah, sure. Look, um, there was a decision handed down this morning, um, which was the judgment um, from the hearing about a week and a half ago. Um, and it was handed down by Justice Hammerschlag, who's a, a judge who actually appeared in, in front of quite a few times. And he's, um, he's South African by background, but don't hold that against him. He's, he's probably one of the best judges down in the Supreme Court of New South Wales. Um, and the hearing occurred about a week and a half ago. He went away to have a think about it and write it because these things aren't always handed down. Um, everyone complained about the time that took, but this is actually pretty quick for a court because it was pretty expedited. But basically, he's come down and um, upheld the decision that was made in the, the arbitration. Um, well, it seems like 48 to 72 hours ago, but I think it was a little bit longer than that. Um, <laughs> well, it was a several weeks ago anyway. It's, it's, but basically, what's happened there is it was a, it was a very narrow appeal. Um, and appeals like this do tend to be narrow. Um, people might have thought that this was all going to come back in front of the judge and everything would be reopened and argued about and ventilated again, but it wasn't. Um, and anyone who's had a read of the decision and probably tried to work out what the hell it's going on about, that, uh, the judge was very clear about that. And he, he said, look, this, this really came down to really one question, and that was an argument about how the capital T term of the alliance agreement signed between the Western Australian Rugby Union and the Australian Rugby Union in, in mid-2016 was to be applied. Um, what And he, he laid out some of the background in here. It was interesting to see some of the things that, that were revealed. But basically what happened was the alliance agreement whereby the ARU appeals to have bailed out WARU um, when they you know, pumped some money into them because they were in financial strife basically said that you know, it, 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 they'd be fielding the force um, the, the grassroots would be looked after, et cetera, et cetera. But basically the term of this agreement would be when the Sansar broadcast agreement ran out, which was the 31st of December 2020, so the, the, the current TV deal, um, or if the Sansar broadcast agreements were terminated or renegotiated earlier. And what, came, what it came down to was um, – if the ARU ran off and renegotiated it, including tearing it up and bringing a new one in with 15 teams rather than 18, um, did that mean that that was the date whereby the alliance agreement came to an end earlier than the 31st of December 2020? And West Australian Rugby Union were basically saying, well, no, it, it, it shouldn't and it can't. Um, the ARU obviously said, yes, it did. Um, the arbitrator a few weeks ago said, well, I agree with the ARU's um, finding. Um, and when it's come before the Supreme Court, he's agreed with the arbitrator and said, look, that's the definition and that's the way this court, the, the contract's going to be read by this court. Um, and I, mean, I, I remember, because um, it was all very unclear at the time with the arbitration, but mm. the, the, sort of, the, the gossip coming out was, oh, the, the AAU's won on a technicality. Um, I don't think it's so much a technicality if this was the issue. It really just comes down to how this, this word and this term was defined under the contract. Um, and as I think I, I, I tweeted earlier on today, only partially tongue in cheek, whoever, which, whoever the lawyers are that drafted this for the WARU and negotiated it back in mid 2016, would probably be feeling either a bit guilty or a bit nervous because, uh, as these things tend to be, with the benefit of hindsight, it wasn't the best term in the world. Yeah, so that was my question. I mean, I, I didn't probably have 
a great understanding or appreciation of the of the specificity of what the case was all about. And in the end, it almost just comes down to that second clause, doesn't it? And 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 uh, the interpretation of when that new um, broadcast agreement came on. Um, and I know uh, our friends out west had had proffered lots of uh, discussion around media releases releases uh, saying. Um, I know Sansa released a press release back in early this year saying, you know, a continuation of the same broadcast agreement and so on and, and used that as evidence, you know, hoping that it would be evidence against the ARU. But in the end, it all comes down to that partnership agreement, doesn't it? Yeah, look, I, I think so. Is Look, some of the feedback I got from s- s- some sort of fellow um, green and golds that were in the courtroom a week and a half ago, it, it sounded like things were going all right for the WIRU. Um, the mm. feedback was that, was that um, Justice Hemishlag had kind of said a you what when he heard what, what the agreement was because it was very pro-ARU clearly and um, I think the, the, the humorous anecdote I heard was he sort of walked off the bench halfway through a, a submission from the um, ARU's um, senior counsel which is always a bad look but um, in the end of the day um, look, he's a pretty good judge, he's pretty good at applying the law and he's, he's basically said look this is what you agreed to um, you know, just over a year ago, um, this is how it's to be applied. Uh, and look, I can see where the Western Australian Rugby Union were coming from with their argument. Um, but at the end of the day, the judges basically said, look, this is how I read it to be applied. Um, you, you signed up for it. Uh, this is how it's come out. Um, and oh, look, when, when this was all going on earlier this year, I mean, I as a lawyer was putting my lawyer cap on and thinking, how are they going to argue this? How, how's this going to work? Because I couldn't understand how they could have signed a licence agreement with, with the Western Australian Rugby Union saying, you've got the force and you've got the force for five years and then run off and sign a deal in London or you know, in, in, in principle deal in London saying, right, we're going to cut three teams out, including one of ours. You can't go and sabotage one contract with another and then just come back. But I can see now where they were coming from in, because basically the their reading of, of the agreement, from what I can see, basically allowed them to do that. And I, I, I suspect, I mean, I'm just guessing here because this is all sort of very opaque. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing that when, you know, Klein and Pulver or whoever it was that went to London earlier this year, they would have probably been armed with this legal advice to say, you know, with this agreement we've signed middle of last year, um, if we renegotiate our Santar deals, um, <laughs> it comes to an end and, and we can cut the force. And and look, I think it's it's, it's been tweeted a bit on, on social media, but um, you know one one of the, the comments in here, which and this is Justice Hemisleg's usual um, to the point. I wouldn't say bluntness, but he cuts straight to it. Um, you know, it, it, I'm just trying to find it here in this rather lengthy lengthy discussion. But he, he, he oh, yeah, 12 pages is actually quite short, really. Um, Wait, can I just can I just check, Paul? We're not you're not charging us for by the 15 minutes for this. <laughs> no, no, I'm this putting this all on my pro bono ledger. No, no. Thank you very much. <laughs> part of the so go on. Yep. No, no, it's all part of the sponsorship deal, isn't it, Reg? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, no, look, there, there was a, there was a comment in there in, in there which he said that. Um, uh, you know, the WARU and the ARU were allies, but they were not friends. Um, and at, at the end of the day, they had the right and the ability to, I think the word he used was destroy the force if they saw fit. Um, and that's what they chose to do. Yes, OK. And look, there's been lots of to and fro's there. It's almost been dueling press release or media announcements there. But let's keep the legal focus on. Is there uh, a next avenue for the force here, Paul? Can they take this further? 
Look, they can. They always can, um, especially if Twiggy Forest is paying for it. Um, yep. But, look, the, the next step would be, and they've already said they're considering this, um, would be an appeal to the Court of Appeal uh, in New South Wales, which yep. is the next level up, and that would be before three judges. Um, but, again, it is an appeal. It would be a very narrow question, which is, did the court get it right in dealing yeah. with how to um, interpret you know, this term and, and this ability to bring the alliance agreement to, to an end? Um, it'll be exactly the same question that Justice Hammerschlag had to deal with here. And what they'd need to convince those, those three judges is that Hammer, Justice Hammerschlag got it wrong. Um, and I'm telling you from personal experience that that's unlikely to happen. Um, he usually gets it yeah. right and they'd be very reluctant to overturn it. Now, if, 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 if they did... Well, either way, I don't think the ARU have always signalled that they're unlikely to appeal. Um, but let's say they lost again, then conceivably they'd go to the High Court where they'd be in front of mm. if they had the full bench. But with each of these levels too, you've actually got to get leave to appeal first. So it's, it's and which is what happened with this is you've got to yeah. satisfy the court that you've got a, a good enough and decent enough case and argument that they should pay attention to you. And then if you do, they'll usually deal with it at the same time. And they had to do that with, with Justice Hammerschlag a week and a half ago, and he dealt with it at the same time. But they needed to do the same thing with the Court of Appeal and the same thing with the High Court. Um, and there's no guarantee they would. They might look at it and say, no, well, um, we don't think you know your case is strong enough or the issue is important enough or that he appears to have got it wrong. Go away and bang, it'd stand. Um, I, I don't like talking about it in hindsight, and it's a tough situation you know, putting you on the spot here, Paul, because you, you don't have all the paperwork. But in hindsight, was this the best legal option? Could, could you have seen another way forward by the, the force or Western Australia rugby you know, to, to, um, to fight back against the ARU? Well, look, the interesting thing is, and I think I tweeted a couple of comments about this earlier and today, was... Um, Justice Hamishlag kind of, I think, I've, I read it, it's kind of hints at this. Um, if, if you look at the decision, um, and I've got it right in front of me here, just handy, um, because I was having this discussion tonight. If, if you look there at paragraphs 15 to 18, he actually goes through a whole series of contentions, which he notes that the West Australian Rubber Union didn't put before him, because um, he leads into it saying, look, this was a really, really narrow question I was looking at. And then he kind of goes and says, you didn't put this before me, and I didn't have to deal with this. And, I mean, I kind of read that to say, maybe you should have. Um, but, look, yeah, and, and this was more in, if you've ever seen The Castle on Haven't We All, it's more in the vibe yep. type thing with Dennis Donato. <laughs> it's attacking it more widely and, 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 and getting into that, well, you know, you weren't dealing with this in good faith, the contract was unfair, it should have been rewritten. Um, and those are the kind of contentions he was kind of saying – weren't put before him. And I suppose that, you know, with the benefit of hindsight and with these comments, maybe they should have been. But, look, you know, the, the, the lawyers and the arbitration would have had to make the decision at that time and try and put the best case they thought they could. Um, and th this is always the thing with lawyers and appeals is um, you only want to fire the shots you think you're going to hit, but sometimes the instinct is to just fire the shotgun off at everything um, and try and, you know, because you leave the arguments open for appeal. Um, the problem with that always is if you put too many arguments in front of an arbitrator or a judge, they get annoyed that you just seem to be putting spurious stuff in front of them and you lose their sympathy. Yeah. So that's – look, you can always look back and say you could have, should have, would have done this. Maybe they would have, you know, got up on those arguments. Um, but it's all too late now. And I know – I mean, look, speaking with – put my rugby fan cap back on. I, I know that all the, the Sea of Blue and the Western Force fans are, you know, chewing on the furniture over in Perth and really, really, you know, annoyed, to put it mildly, based on some of the, the tweets you see. But – um, 
to a great degree, we've just got to get on with this. I do not see the benefit, apart from the lawyers, um, in, in continuing to fight about this. Um, yeah. and, and look, there was, there was a tweet earlier on today from Jamie Pandaram from, from the, um, the Daily Terror um, you know, saying that uh, the AAU had released some of the financial statements uh, about this and they were that if they continued on the way they were going, the AAU was going to be insolvent in two years. So um, you can kind of understand why the AAU in, in its own mind had to be ruthless about this because it was backs against the wall time. Um, and I've been saying for a while now, um, really, we've just got to see through the rest of this TV deal to 2021 because I think it's going to be a whole new landscape there. I, I think the South Africans are going to knock off to Europe and we're going to have to we're going yeah. to have a completely new Super Rugby competition. I really do. Paul, yeah, Brett, you had something there, Yeah, Paul, you've, just, you've kind of just, just answered that to me, but um, were you surprised that, that even though Rugby WA you know, agreed to go into arbitration that they would go in so narrow? Like As, as you say, they're effectively just arguing over an end date when all of this, you know, supposed information they have, all this supposed proof they have um, that suggests that the decision was made back in February, maybe even late last year, none of that was ever presented, none of that, none of that was ever tested in court and it sort of feels like they've, you know, missed the trick there. Well, look, this is the thing that the Justice Hammerschlag actually does talk about this and it's yeah. quite clear that a lot of the stuff was before the arbitrator and also was put to him, and, and this gets into the arguments about how you interpret a contract, because the, the usual approach, and there is almost a standard term in all, in all contracts saying that you know, it is the entire agreement and you don't look outside it, because otherwise it gets too fuzzy and grey. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the court will look at it, and they don't want to look outside the, 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 the pages that it's written on unless they absolutely have to, and that was part of what he talks about in this decision um, and he won't. He said, this is a commercial agreement. It's signed by big boys. You know, these guys are, you know, sporting bodies, they're companies. They're signing a commercial agreement. It's assumed they know what they're doing. It's assumed that they've got lawyers that advise them on this. And if they went and agreed upon a certain term or a certain definition, it's assumed that's what they meant. Uh, and it's quite clear that there was quite a bit of stuff put before um, the arbitrator. And one thing to keep in mind with arbitration is it's essentially a private um, process. So all the stuff yeah. that went in front of them, we, we haven't seen, and we can only guess it from reading this decision because the Supreme Court decision is on the public record. We don't necessarily get to see what was in front of them, but they refer to stuff that was in front of the arbitration, like consultants' reports about you know ratings dropping through the floor and anticipated revenue and all that type of stuff. There's references to this in there. We haven't seen that. We won't see it unless the ARU re- releases it, and they seem to be more willing to sort of put that stuff out there now that the decision's handed down because they're going to be trying to justify themselves and say, look, this is why we did it. We just couldn't tell you what the court case was on. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, as, as far as you know, putting this stuff in front of the arbitration, um, they did to a certain degree, but they obviously made, I'm assuming the lawyers at some stage have made a decision about what was their best case, what was the best plan of attack, how to go in, and they've decided that arguing about this term, this definition was their best case. Perhaps they just wanted to keep it tight, focused and narrow and try and knock it over on that basis. But in the end, mm. the arbitrator and, and then the Supreme Court of New South Wales have disagreed and they've agreed mm. with the ARU's interpretation and said, we agree with you, you've, you've got it right, you can do what you, you, you want to hear. It was, it, was, it, was said to, it was said to me today that, that when it comes down to a, you know, he said, she said type thing, it, the, the, the law or the courts will almost always side with the length, less contentious version, if you like, and that's effectively what it feels like now. Oh, I, I don't know that it's a he said, said, she said. I, I think that comes down to when people have got two different versions of events. What they've got here is 
a um, a term or a definition of a, of a what they've described as a commercial agreement, uh, and people are arguing two different interpretations of it, and and the judges basically said, look. I have to read this in a commercial agreement as a reasonable, objective person would do, and the way I read it is the way the ARU puts it to me, yeah. um, you know, and that, that that's that's how it is. And and I don't look at you know, and I shouldn't look at all this other stuff about why it was going to happen and you know who did what back in February or, or middle of last year. Yeah, that's kind of background and illustrative, but that yeah, he, it's it's it really comes down to well, well, the words on this page say in black and white, and how's it going to work in this situation? Um, that's what it came down to. Look, Paul, really appreciate your insight to all this. It's a it's a complicated mess, um, and it has been for some time. So it's great to get a little bit of clarity, at least on this sort of last little stage, and particularly with someone who sort of knows you know both sides of the story from the from the rugby perspective and the legal perspective we know you got a busy night in front of uh, the block or something up next paul but uh thanks for joining <laughs> us and uh, we'll see you on social media hey no no thanks very much gentlemen nice to be here thanks paul see you mate thanks gents bye um yeah interesting day and and like i sort of alluded to earlier um the whole dueling press releases since and here there's a really interesting one from the ARU, or should i say the supporting documentation um, they provided with this release, which is almost information we've been wanting all along, at least from their side of it. Um, but it, you know, it, it paints some pretty stark financial um, figures around the whole 15 versus 14 thing. Do you get a chance to look at that one? Yeah, it does. It does, Reg. It's, it's interesting um, uh, to see that that sort of information finally come out to the public realm. And, and you know, it, it's... Um, it, it, paints a pretty interesting argument about the way and the reasons why the uh, the decision was made and, the, and it was considered. I encourage people to go online and have a look. I think it's on the uh, rugby.com.au website. But essentially, it, it paints a pretty grim picture of Super Rugby regardless of what side they cut. And it just seems mm. like the force cutting is, is the one option that kind of leaves them with their head above the water in 2020. It's, it's um, regardless of... Uh, where you're from in Australia, if you're a if you're a Force fan or not, that the document doesn't make for pre-reading, and it does. As as Paul said, you know, it, it shows you that it, it was a backs against the wall decision, and it was sort of this or, or, or face insolvency, which is um which is pretty worrying. But at least it gives you at least a, a, some indication as to why they made the decision they did. Yeah. So the figures basically say, worst case scenario, the the ARU were. $26 million in the hole by 2020, by the end of 2020. They, they ran some sort of analysis around best, you know, if they cut the rebels and, and best case scenario with the force, which, forgive me, I can't remember if that it can't have included Twiggy's $50 million. They put some provisos no, no, around didn't. that. So, but, you know, even then they were in the hole come 2020. They were sort of effectively, um, you know, bankrupt by 2020. And in the end, and Brett, I don't think this is necessarily... A cause for celebration. The best scenario they've come up with is um, a best case scenario for the rebels, which sees us still solvent in 2020, but not exactly raking it in and um, heavily reliant on on uh, on the rebels coming good with all their promises, including the the Vic government. And gosh, with the changes in in government these days, it's hard to uh, to do too much forward planning with that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, and and of, and of course the 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 catch-all in that is that the the details around the Victorian government funding couldn't be revealed because it's a government contract, which are always commercial in confidence, as we as we probably all know. Yep. So the 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 really worrying thing for me is that as as you say, it, it outlines quite um, quite clearly that you know by keeping the force they'd be 6.1 million in the hole by by the end of 2020 uh, in the worst case scenario in the worst case scenario keeping the force uh, sorry keeping the rebels and letting the force go it's still nearly 2 million in the hole in the same token so you know it's it's just sort of i guess it's a matter of which you know do we want to go bankrupt midway through 2020 or or at the end of the year and it doesn't paint for a great picture Either way, and and I think that's that's really concerning. You you raised the point about this supporting documentation. I mean, this is the sort of thing that should have come out, yeah. You know, absolutely. in the forty-eight to seventy-two hours, if we're completely honest. And um, you know, there's a uh, we, we keep hearing that that and Cameron Klein actually said it today in his press conference that they asked for the best and worst case scenarios for the force situation, and they they still maintain they didn't get this. The force have basically come back in there. You know, response response uh, via press release and said, well, that's not that's not true. We you know we told you once Andrew Forrest was on board, you know we, we weren't quite confident. We were absolutely certain that things were were going to be right again, and that that isn't reflected in these figures, unfortunately. So there's still a lot of questions about these these figures. Um, but finally, there are some semblance of of, um, of well, transparency isn't the word, but but the, finally there's. There's something to back up what the ARU have been trying to say from what early April, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's a fascinating. I mean, there's such so much happened today, including sort of Twiggy Forest talking about a rebel competition, some sort of Indo-Pacific competition, which we might touch on a bit. The position of the board here, Klein in particular, the the uh, it's it's. So I'll take a step back. We had Jeff Stuke on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, we had no, we had who else was there? Um, uh, it was Twiggy Forrest in one of his. We didn't have him on, obviously, but in one of his recent press announcements regularly, both Stuke and Forrest have, whether they praised, but they they heaped a fair bit of um, respect on Bill Pulver, which surprised me. He's copped a lot of flack, Bill Pulver. But they haven't missed on Cam Klein. I, with respect, Stuke didn't say anything about Cam Klein, but uh, Twiggy Forrest and, and West Australia Rugby in general have not missed on Cam Klein. When it's a difficult scenario now, Hugh, when Klein as chairman um, is uh, handling all this, he's got offers of of big bucks from the likes of Twiggy Forrest in Western Australia, but it's all contingent on him standing down. Is his position tenable, do you reckon? Is, is it time for him to move on, or should he be seeing it through? Look, I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not um I'm not an expert in these sort of things, and I think what uh, Cameron Klein will do is similar to Pulver. I think he, you know, um, it, it's about uh, shepherding this process through to to its conclusion, and then probably clearing the way for someone else and clearing the slate for someone to come and start afresh. Um, you know, I, I find I find Twiggy Forrest's involvement in this whole situation a bit. A bit confusing, to be honest, and mm. and we've spoken about it before. But um, and actually, you know, Matt Gitto raised it today on Twitter. I don't know if you saw Reg, but uh, talking about well, where yes. was Twiggy when when Firepower went under? Um, and mm. you know, it, it's it's interesting that even even um, and I'm not sure you know 100% what was going on behind the scenes, but um, you know, the the force of and this sort of course of action has been on the table and talked about for for 
you know, at least a year. And and Twiggy Forrest says it hasn't really involved himself. I think he's been a minor sponsor of the force. But this whole, um, you know, putting millions and millions of dollars on the table, well, um, you know, I, I find it... <laughs> I find it just a, a, an odd decision to make, and, and it's why I don't have a huge amount of faith that, that this this supposed competition is really going to eventuate, because yeah. there's just there's just too much of um, too many details that are up in the air, and I, I just think that at the moment we're we're in a really tough stage with with Western Australian rugby, and I'm just not sure that putting the putting your faith in, in Twiggy Forest and and uh, sort of all getting behind him and his millions is necessarily the best way of going about, uh, you know, fighting for your future. Because, uh, I, I don't know, I just, it just sits very uneasily with me. And I, and, and I have all the sympathy for, for, for Western Force fans and people in WA. And I think that uh, you're making a, a pretty big mistake um, in, in, in letting go of the Force. But I'm just not sure that that's it's the best, the best uh, direction to take uh, as it currently stands. My my thing, and I, I I don't think Klein's position is tenable, but you know you've got to have someone who wants to take the job. But you talk about the relationship um, with Western Australia, and it kind of goes to Brett's point in this document that's come out today. What I would love is to say, you know, and, and this you know again in hindsight, guys, if Australia you worked with the clubs and particularly Western Australia rugby and said, guys. We don't have faith in Super Rugby. We don't think, you know, Sanzar is going to be there in two years' time, 2020. We're now working for a new model. Um, you know, we believe this is the model, whether it's been a national thing, a Pacific thing, or with New Zealand as well. We want you still around. We're going to work with you to, to keep the force identity. Um, we'll support you in playing whatever exhibition matches and so on. That's the only thing I can see feasible with uh, Twiggy's continuing involvement that the force becomes some sort of entity in a couple of years' time when 2020 mm-hmm. rolls around or 2020 continues, um, much like the South Sydney Rapidos did back in the sort of 90s or whenever that was. But you know, it's it's just it's just complicating factor. I don't. I, I'm with you. This Indo-Pacific thing, I can't see that having legs. And he, he called it an, an Indian a, a rugby IPL. He's going to have to invest a lot more money than 50 million to get that sort of thing off the ground to make that sustainable. The the, the key the key thing there, Reg, is is going to be uh, you know allowing ourselves to get to get a bit get go a little bit ahead on this. You know, assuming that there are six teams ready to go and assume there are six teams worth of players and coaches and physios and administrators and all that sort of stuff. If it doesn't get world rugby sanctioning. Yeah. It doesn't go anywhere. It, it's that yeah. simple. You, without world rugby sanctioning, there's no referees. There's no you know judiciary process. Uh, you know, there's there's none of that straight away. Yeah. Any international players would have question marks over their their ability to play Test rugby, which you know ultimately the whole idea of him wanting to back the Western forces so that they can still be playing for the Wallabies. I, I just I just don't see how how that happens and, and even though the ARU are saying we'll absolutely explore uh, you know alternate competitions yeah you know I just I just think there's too many floating balls in the air the, the other side of the coin is that maybe this is finally this is actually the opportunity for for world rugby even to say well you know what let's put a fire under under Asia and the Pacific Islands, and let's actually get a bit of a competition with meaning, you know, in and around Singapore, and let's get Fiji and Samoa and uh, you know, Tonga involved. And let's keep with Perth and Hong Kong and whoever. Let's actually start seeing if this, you know, supposed sleeping giant that is Asian rugby that we've been hearing and talking about for, you know, probably two decades, let's light a spark under it and see what happens. 
Yeah, I'm with you, and I I keep hearing stories of other Super Rugby clubs trying to get a foot in China and so on. So, you know, there's action there. The um, objection. You know, the, the only... Objection. Sorry, I mean, sorry, I'm in a bit of a legal mind today after Paul's, Paul's <laughs> contribution. Um, Justice Hammerschlag would be really uh, frustrated with me. Um, the uh, I, I I disagree with both of you. I, I don't think the answer is is to further expand and to to. I mean, I think if anything, we've learned from the last. Uh, three, four, five, even going back longer, is that mm. I don't think the solution is any more expansion um, and bringing in. Um, oh, uh, yeah, you know, I understand yeah. those 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 teams and those countries might need something, but I just think that um, mm. any Australian involvement in, in that area is 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 pretty risky, and it's I don't mm. think it's something that um, that we should be we should be really seriously looking at. I think the the solution, oh. if if anything goes ahead, is to to go to to contract as opposed to expand. I think you're right. I think there's there's hairs all over it, no no doubt. And if you think about, you know, if you think about, say, Perth and Singapore and Hong Kong and Fiji, Samoa and and Tonga, all of a sudden you're looking at a fair spread of land, of, uh, of of distance that's not too dissimilar to Super Rugby, which is you know the cause yeah. of the problem to start with. So, yeah, there's there's certainly there's certainly hairs all over it. The the other side, are, just going back to something you said earlier, there, Reg, talking about you know uh, talking about Andrew Forrest timing and all that. The he said there might have been late last week that, um, that that when he objected to the to the AAU, particularly Cameron Klein, saying, you know, where was where was Andrew Force three months ago? Where was he when we you know, had to had to buy out the IP? And 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 he said at the time, I didn't get involved before because I didn't think I had to. Yeah. Now that now that it became apparent that I had to, here I am. And the thing that strikes me about that is was that why didn't Rugby WA get in touch with him? Back then, he was already and has been, as you said, Hugh, a, you know, a, a minor sponsor of the force. He's, he's the FMG logo has been on you know, Matt Hodgson's jumper for the last three seasons, so he's been involved. He would have been having chats with the, the Western Force board. So, so why have why didn't Rugby WA try and engage him earlier and, and try and you know have these sorts of, of, of conversations? There's 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 a lot of questions flying around in in every directions and 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 you know I'm I think my position on where on the force is is, is pretty obvious and pretty clear but I've got as many questions for for, for the yep. force Red Rugby WA at the moment as I have for um, for the ARU. Yeah, no, I, I think it's right. I don't think anyone any administration is completely clear on this one. In saying that, look, we'll, we'll move on from this topic. But again, just just anyone who saw the footage of the players today of Matty Hodgson having another yeah. interview, a, a very emotional interview, um, but the players themselves, there's so many images going around social media, the looks on their faces, just horrendous time for them all. And, and we, we feel for the players, we feel for the administrators, uh, you know, all the the staff from the force, but also all the fans out there, and and uh, it's it's not an easy time. It's not a, um, a a great time when you should be enjoying rugby and should be enjoying sport. It's completely opposite. So we wish you well, and and we hope um, that you stick around and, and stick enjoying rugby. Or and with the force remain in some form, we'll see what um, we'll see what comes of it. Um, lads, we're going to move on to our next question, and, and interestingly, if there is <laughs> A bit of a link to this next question. It's about how do the Wallabies beat the box this weekend, and and this test is in Perth, which is is Great. incredible. Great segue, you know? Reg. I know, I know. Um, so I don't know. I don't think we. I don't think we can rely on a, a home crowd support or advantage sort of thing for this one. So, Hugh, mate, what's your feeling from the Wallabies? Obviously, 
we were pretty positive about their last performance about the against the All Blacks a couple of weeks ago. What do we need to do this weekend? Well, we were pretty positive, Reg, but I recall um, I said, and I, I think you you echoed it. Uh, I um, and being the you know the smartest two people on this po- the smartest two regular <laughs> contributors to this podcast, I think it's fairly authoritative. <laughs> Um, is that, you know, uh, last week was all well and good, but they're going to need to back it up. And I don't think we can really judge this Wallabies team as it stands at the moment until they put in a, uh, a good performance two weeks in a row. And uh, that they've got a, a field as a fairly similar squad that they've named. Stephen Moore's going to be uh, absent uh, due to the birth of his child, uh, which will present an opportunity for Tatafu to start and presumably uh, Jordan Ulacy or Tolu Latu to come onto the bench. It's it's going to be a fascinating encounter. The Springboks are a much improved side from where they were last year. They've discovered some really good players and they, they looked pretty comfortable in the first two games against Argentina. And I think it's the first time they've won five games on the trot um, for about four or five years. So we're, they're, they're in really good form at the moment and they're in try-scoring form. They've been racking up big scores um, against Ireland and then against Argentina. I think the Wallabies, uh, it's going to come back to defence as, as it has for the last two weeks. And it's just about getting that, um, that, that defensive line coordinated in that line speed up because uh, the Springboks are going to throw a very different challenge. I've got those big forward runners that we know, guys like you know Malcolm Marks and Eben Etzebeth and... Warren Whiteley and 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 see Khaleesi's in good form. These guys there that that, that are going to be pounding the, uh, the the Wallaby forward defenders, and we're going to rely on a guy like Adam Coleman coming back to make a real difference. And and certainly, um, I think if Sean McMahon's there as well, we're going to need him to be stepping up and making some big tackles. So I think if we can get that element right, I'm you know we can I think we can score enough points to to really challenge the Springboks. But I've got to say I've got the I've got the Springboks as favourites coming into this game, and I think uh, a win would be a really good result for, for a Wallabies team that I, I'm still not convinced is is truly top class. Yeah, interesting. Underdogs um, are the box favourites here. Brett, do you agree with that assessment? Uh, in, interestingly, the, the few the few discussions that I've been having online and, and on, on social with, with, with box fans is that um, they recognise Australia's, the second Bledisloe performance you know, as much as we do. And, and so they, they realised that, you know, Australia's actually probably going to be their biggest test so far. There was, I think, the, the three tests against France were a little bit on the underwhelming side. And as much as they enjoyed the three wins, there was a little bit of a, you know, what have we actually learned out of this? Because France were pretty ordinary. But, you know, two good home and away wins over Argentina has sort of got, got their confidence up. But I think they realised that um, Australia aren't going to be you know, anywhere near as, um, as 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 bad as was being made out. You know, even only a week before that. I I, I simply echoing your thoughts there, Hugh. I similarly wrote last week that that the uh, that the Wallabies aren't as good as their last performance. They're now as good as their next, and and they've absolutely got to back that up. And I I completely agree with what you're saying. So um, I don't think there's much between the two sides, Reg. I, I'm not at all a betting man. I don't think there would be a whole lot of difference um, in the uh, in in the line. So that that would be interesting. There is a bit of a difference. Australia a dollar seventy, South Africa two dollars fifteen. Oh, really? That is surprising to me. I have to admit. I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I thought it would be you know a lot less than that. Uh, I, I'd expect that point start would be less than a converted try, Hugh. If you've got that. Uh, yeah. The well, the line's two. So. Uh, oh, okay. I, there you I'm go. Not much of an expert in in, in in the way these things are framed. Yeah. But, um, and that's that's and that's how. 
that's about as close as I reckon they are. There's like I honestly think there'll be less than a converted try in this. Um, but but I think the the Wallabies have to take absolutely everything out of all the confidence that they you know need to take out of that Dunedin game is is pretty obvious. And I think um, you know if they can if they can create that same sort of second phase play that they did when they did open up the uh, the All Blacks, particularly in that first you know 25 minutes, then then there'll be a huge chance uh, against the box. But it's certainly going to be a physical contest. But then they've had two really physical contests over the over the first two Bledisloe. So I think they're well placed. Yeah, it's interesting. Either you know we say the um, you know the attack's been good. The defence is a big issue for us. Um, the, the question remains: Do we th- do we think we'll get challenged? I mean, the box aren't as good attack as the the, the All Blacks yeah. are. Um, that might work in our favour a little bit, perhaps. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. I, I think the if the Wallabies can if, if the Wallabies can maintain that same sort of you know, up and sliding midfield defence like they did in Dunedin, where it wasn't just one guy shooting, it was actually three or four guys and, and they'd slide accordingly, then I, then I don't know if the box have an attacking game to actually get in behind that. And so, um, yeah, you're certainly right on, on the attacking front, but then the box make up for that with an incredibly physical forward pack and they've got a really, really mobile back row unit as well. And, um, you know, Warren Whiteley, I mean, I... I don't think there's a more inspirational captain on the on the planet than, yeah, than yeah, him. He's just, just an incredible player. Um, well, let's talk quickly. Look, and the team will be out in a couple of days about those changes. What do you think you might see in the team um, uh, there, Hugh? You talk obviously Moore's out, so you'd think Tatafu would come straight in. Would you would you chuck Tolalatu straight onto the bench or Yalesi the young Yalesi from the uh, from Melbourne? I don't know. I'm a big believer in Ulessi. I think I was really impressed with him at the Under-20 World Cup. Um, Tolu Latu's obviously come back, played some NRC on the weekend and looked pretty good uh, for, for New South Wales country. But, um, um, look, I, I don't know. I think uh, I think Latu is probably, for, for me, a bit of a safer option. He's, he's got... Uh, you know, a bit of a proven performer, and and you know, Michael Checkers obviously cited some issues with his fitness, but I think at his best, he was the form hooker in Super Rugby this year, actually, ahead of Tatafu yep. and ahead of Stephen Moore. So, look, I, I think if I if I, if Michael Checker could be confident of of his fitness, then certainly I think um, Tolu Latu is the uh, is the option. But um, if uh, yeah, if you want to take a putt on youth, I think Ulysses is the the one to do it. I just think uh, coming on and, and after the scrum troubles we had last week, um, I, I think you're certainly uh, throwing, him in, throwing him in the deep end. Yeah, we might talk about it a little later, Brett. He certainly looked all right um, on the weekend in the NRC. I haven't seen a lot of Ulessi played, but I was super impressed with yeah. the size of the man, but also his performance in the NRC match for the Rising for the Spirit. Yeah, and look, that's, that's that's part of the problem. He's played two or three yeah. Super Rugby games. We really haven't seen a lot of him, and I, I absolutely agree with what Hugh's saying. I think if you if you can coil Tololato up and let him spring out for the last twenty five minutes, I think you get a really good impact. Where I think Ulessi is as promising as he as he very obviously is. Um, I, I think it's a I think it's a little bit too soon for him. I'm I'm still surprised that someone like you know James Hansen isn't in that Wallaby squad. If I'm completely honest. Yeah, yeah, agreed. What about, I mean, traditionally, um, you know, we've gotten away with a, a more mobile uh, back row versus the All Blacks because we wanted to match it with their, you know, fantastic athlete 
forwards. South Africa, I guess they're not quite old school these days. Anymore, they've, they've got a fair bit of fair bit of um, speed and agility in that back row as well. But would you expect any changes there? I mean, McMahon played well, but would you expect any bit more size, like Petty Tamani or someone coming in there at all, Brent? Oh, look, num- number eight is the perennial problem. Um, Petty Tamani could be it, but he was really, really disappointing for, for the rising on the weekend against Perth, like almost non-existent in an in, NRC in, in game. And, and at a time when Michael Checker was standing there on the hill at, at McGilvray Oval amongst, you know, however many thousand people it was there, and, and he just, it was he was largely anonymous. So, I mean, I, I just, I so want him to prove me wrong, but he just, I'm, it's really hard for me to have any confidence about Tamani at the moment. And that then means you've got to compromise the rest of the back row unit because I think McMahon's yeah. got to be there after Dunedin. Han- yep. Ned Hannigan, I can I can absolutely undersee- understand the the, uh, the criticisms about him. I can equally understand why they think he's the the, the guy to be the the Scott Fardy type player. But the, the 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 Wallabies want him to play a game at a level of physicality that's fit that's just literally beyond his body at the moment. And so again, we've got this compromised back row unit. Um, I think mobility is probably the answer. I'm just not sure of, of how the how the balls fall into place and, and, and what the three are. Okay. Well, look, we'll find out soon enough um, as the uh, as the test team obviously gets announced, and we'll have a pretty under, better understanding there. There's not much more we could probably go into the test there at this stage until we find those teams. Um, let's move on to the NRC guys, and it kicked off this weekend, first round, um, with some uh, pretty good uh, rugby being played. We saw the uh, the Fiji Drua play for the first time, going down to Brisbane City. Canberra Vikings beat Queensland Country. The Rams surprised a few by upsetting the New South Wales Country Eagles, and then the Perth Spirit ran out nice and hard against the uh, Melbourne Rising, but probably didn't do, have it all their own way in the end, but still taking the win over in Perth. And let's start, Brett, with you, Mr. NRC, I think they call you. I think that's <laughs> on your business card these days. Um, the standout performance of the NRC for you this weekend, mate, what was it? Yeah, look, you've you've touched on the on the Rams there, and I, and I think I know where you're heading with that. So I'll, I'll happily sort of leave that to you because they they were they were really really good, and and I'll absolutely give them give them plenty of credit. I spoke to John Manetti only last week, and and he sort of said, you know, we've got a little bit more strike power this year. We won't just be a, a you know kick for the corner and line out drive team, and, and they certainly proved that. There's there's certainly uh, a lot more strike power across the field. I was really impressed with Perth Spirit. I've got to say, I, I think um, I think that forty-five thirty-three scoreline is probably a little bit flattering towards Melbourne. I, I think you know they scored five tries, and I reckon four of them were well and truly against the run of play from you know from in their own half. And I, I think I think Perth played that game pretty well, and it put down a bit of a a bit of a statement. I think, and it was, look, it was a it was a really really impressive side. Like that that whole starting fifteen played Super Rugby. I think so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll be interested to see how they manage it this year. Are they going to go into this sort of home squad away squad type mentality like they have in the past? Um, and you couldn't really argue the point if that's the way they went. But you know, if they're going to trot out performances like that at McGilvray Oval in front of crowds like that, then they're going to be really hard to beat this year. Yeah, absolutely. They looked very special early on in particular. Um, Hugh, what about you, mate? You caught a few games. Who caught your eye? Well, look, I I watched uh, probably half of the uh, 
NRC game up in Brisbane, that the, the, which was the Saturday game, the Fijians Rua against uh, yep. the, the Brisbane City. And I mean, God, the Fijians. I mean, I, I wasn't sure what to expect as we discussed last week. Reg, it was a bit of a bit of an unknown commodity, and and look, they were certainly a little bit scratchy as all the teams were. But when they when they put it together, I thought they they were really impressive, and and probably just lacked a little bit of that that uh, that the the set piece and the discipline. Um, that really could see them compete for 80 minutes against Brisbane City, who obviously a pretty classy side. Um, but that, that said, they still put up a great fight and scored some absolutely scintillating tries, um, which was great to watch. The, uh, the other game I, I, I saw was the uh, the Rams uh, country game at uh, at Milner, and and interesting. Um, you know, we we, we talked we spoke a lot about the Rams last season, Reg, and you know the the um, mm, yeah, you know how how well they performed. Really, I mean, it's a different it's a different team this year. I mean, and, and yeah. both on field and off, because East would have obviously come in and, and really made a play. And, and unfortunately, sadly from my perspective, I think that the Western Sydney clubs are no longer represented in that franchise. And and and, and it's a bit of a shame. Uh, it's it's a real shame for those those teams because we saw some real great players on earth last year. A guy like David Lola here and 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 those sort of players yep. that, that really didn't. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're unknown commodities before the NRC, but what, what we're seeing now with the Rams is a much more Eastwood-based side, and they had a good team this year, and, and uh, some some other influences as well. And that was uh, a guy like Mac Mason uh, at uh, at five eight, who really really led Don't them around the park. Yeah, yeah, you're getting a head, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'm, I'm allowed I'll just, to mention. I'll just, just add about. I'll just add about Fiji, um, Hugh, just to, to under, under, underline your point. We, I reckon we got, in that 80 minutes, we got absolutely everything you'd expect from Fiji. There was length of yep. the field tries. There was miracle passes. There was horrendous discipline. There, there was a potential long-term <laughs> there was, sign coming out. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was absolute sheer entertainment, and they're just going to be absolutely fantastic this year. I mean, Nathabi, the, the, uh, the fullback, three yep. tries, the second one of his – if that gets beaten for try of the year this year, then it's going to be something very, very special because that was an absolute cracker. Yeah, can I talk to them a bit too? And being at the game as well, and I, I, saw, I think I tweeted it, mate. They are, they've just already proved what a great addition they are to this yeah. tournament. On-field play was great, exactly as you said there. I mean, and they, you know, they, they, they worried. Brisbane first. I think we scored first, but then they came away and scored a length of field, and you know they did really worry us, and then obviously came came home very strong and I think scored three late tries. Great import, impact from the bench there. But they were great to watch on the field. But th- then their fans and fantastic Fijian fans. And I don't think there's, you know, a, a city or a region in, in Australia that doesn't have a, you know, a strong Fijian link or Pacific Island link. And mate, they were out there in force and, and um, you know, it was great. Radiki was out there and Chris Kurandrani, all these guys, and they were all, you know, sort of leaning their way towards supporting Fiji. But the, the the extended family and, and community were there too and making noise and, and wearing their outfits and singing and, and all this sort of stuff. It was great. And and so, you know, whoever's close to you, I think they're down in Melbourne next weekend. Yep, that's um, it. You know, to our Melbourne fans, get out there and enjoy it because it's, it's great rugby and it's it's just fantastic to see. And it's, you know, kudos to World Rugby and the ARU for bringing these guys in, so they're great. But can I talk about the, the Rams quickly too? I was... I was, uh, like you said, I was a Rams fan last year. And I, I said it, my, I wrote the season preview for these guys this year. I didn't recognise any names last year, 
barely any, um, but grew to love them. They're fantastic. And Tyrone Viega and, and, and um, Tupu and Lola Lea and all these sorts of guys were fantastic. They, they played great rugby. I love the spirit and the heart they showed. And likewise, I, I didn't know many of these names here. Obviously, some obvious ones and Mason and Holmes and Holway and that, but uh, a lot were unknown to me. And they really impressed me on, on, on Sunday. And it, it might just be that they were playing another New South Wales team with a, a short turnaround with the shoot shield just finishing the week before. And they'll, they'll get a good test this week because I think they're playing the, the Sydney Rays. I guess they're playing another yep. Sydney team, but one, you know, with an extra week up its belt. But yeah, they, they look good to me. I mean, um, Josh Holmes was a standout. I'm not going to get ahead of myself with the, the next question. And, and he'll be a big loss for them. I think he injured himself and they're uncertain how long he'll be out for. But um, yeah, I, I was watching him play. And I, how come he never made it? You know, how how come mm. he never, you know, solidified a super rugby spot and, and even pushed for the Wallabies? Because he looked like Nick Farr-Jones at times in that game. And it was just, he, he's a wonderful player. And he's, you know, there might be more to it, but I it's this is another reason this competition's great because these guys have still got an avenue to sort of show their wares. Really interestingly, on on Josh Holmes, Reg, um, talk. I was talking to, uh, to to Mark Cashman from the from the Rams last from the yep. Rays last week, and and he and I just I actually I actually sent him a text saying, "Is um, where's Matt Lucas with you this year, this year?" And he said, oh, oh, yeah. "He's pretty sure he's he's pretty sure he's getting um, you know getting a few." A few things cleaned up and you know, up. Get, get yeah. right, right, right before he heads down to Canberra for a, for a Brumbies, um, a Brumbies full season. But they were, you know, all, so they were all ready to. They thought they were well covered. They had to wet ruse uh, again, and then he did his knee. Julian Huxley oh. rang, rang Josh Holmes like the day after, and uh, and Josh Holmes had to say to him, "I signed with the Rams yesterday." Oh. It was like it was, it was literally that. It was literally that much in it and so it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a homecoming josh holmes was a eastwood junior yep. i'm pretty sure definitely played for the very original western sydney rams in the um in the arc 10 years ago so uh, it's a bit of a homecoming i've just i've just actually pulled up a a thing on the rams facebook page and they've just said that there's a an injury update on him is that he's, he has had that knee injury severity of the damage is still unclear but he'll definitely be out of action whilst he awaits specialist advice so that certainly sounds like um you probably out for a little while at this stage yeah, okay, and that's interesting. That I would say the Rays have got that Harry Nusifora from uh, Bond University up here in Queensland as their yeah. scrum half, or at least and the, one of and their the young uh, the young North halfback too, who played in the grand final, whose whose name just escapes me at the moment, but he looked pretty handy in the um, in the shoot yeah, okay. final. Good stuff. All right, well that's good, excellent opportunity. Uh, well, let's let's move on to that next question. And the, the question being, um, who caught your eye from a, an individual perspective? Um, to you again, yeah, someone that we might have known pretty well otherwise, and maybe perhaps someone who who was a little bit less known. Yeah, well, again, I know who you're going to go with, so I'm sort of going to go to a teammate of his. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure, Reg. Um, <laughs> um, uh, look, I, I was really impressed with Hugh Roach's game. Um, I yeah. He's sort of been a bit up and down, I think, for the last probably 18 months, but I, I thought he had a really, really strong game, and, and, and maybe that it's Maybe he's back to full fitness, and maybe it's the, you know, the confidence of being a, you know, semi-regular uh, off the bench for the, for the Waratahs. That's that's just helped his game. But he had a he was really good around the park. He was good over the ball. Um, his scrummaging and, and line out was was pretty good. And, and I, I thought he was he was really good. And I think if he if he can maintain that sort of form, you know, like a guy like him and and Jed Holloway and and you know Josh Holmes to, to an extent, and obviously Mac Mason. 
if they keep that sort of form up, then then the Rams are, are going to be hard to beat. Yeah, I, I agree absolutely. Um, anyone else? Said, was he your unknown or was he your no? I guess he's a super. He, uh, yeah, well, he sort of he sort of fits into both camps because he both, really, we, really, <laughs> we we don't really see a lot of him at, at super rugby level because you know he's got the talent. There's no doubt about it, but. I think his inconsistency, isn't inconsistency, has has worked against him over the last couple of seasons. So he was sort of a bit of a known unknown, if that makes yeah. sense to the George. It does, George and it, so. yeah, it's exactly what I thought of him too. Because I, I I've heard him. I, I haven't seen a lot of his Super Rugby. You know, he hasn't played a lot of Super Rugby. I don't watch the Shoot Shield. I don't get the chance to. Um, so I've heard about him for years. Um, and that was probably the first game. You know, I've watched really in depth. Probably NRC a couple of years ago. But I. I thought he was fantastic. Really impressed with him. Um, Hugh, what about yourself, mate? Well, yeah, I probably get a city of thunder here, Reg, because Brett's gone straight from my game as well. And there, there was a few impressive performances in that. Um, no, no one stood out in the Brisbane City game really to me, although it's worth noting Quade Cooper and Samu Karevi both, you know, had had pretty solid hitouts. I don't think they were they were at their best, but uh, yeah. they they certainly uh, had had a pretty good showing. Um, but uh, I've mentioned it before. I probably got to give a give a shout out Mac Mason, who, uh, you know, <laughs> sorry Reg, uh, it's the problem you put yourself <laughs> last. Like, I've got, got a list of twenty players here, so I just got my food. Um, yeah, look, look, he he came onto the scene in. in you know, obviously for the Australian under-20s, and then as a bit of a surprise pick for the Waratahs this year when Bernard Foley got injured, and we all thought that uh, he'd be, you know, eaten alive in Super Rugby and actually acquitted himself pretty well against the Crusaders, who, you know, went on to went on to win the competition. So, you know, he, he had his shaky moments, but, I mean, that was the first time I've really seen him play at, um, you know, full 80 minutes at, at uh, professional level, and... Uh, or semi-professional level, as it were, and I thought he was really impressive with the way he controlled the game, and and you know had some had some good go forward momentum to 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 work off the back of, but um, I think he he really impressed, and so um, yeah, he's he's the he's the one for me, and I mean I, I don't know if he's the other guy that I've actually was impressed with, and I think you know is very good at this level is um is Tangeli Nyaravoro, who is um <laughs> you know who I think just just he looks like you know, the under tens kid playing in the under sevens. Um, and mm. you know, every time he got the ball, poor old Andrew Kellaway was um was I think missed him <laughs> about seven or eight times. But the, the the other thing that actually I was impressed by was his defence. He actually made a couple of really nice covering tackles and, and you know, he's I've 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 been um my bus route in the, on the way into town Ridge every day takes me past uh, where the Waratahs normally train. And, you know, normally this time of the year it's pretty desolate, but for the last well ever you know which ended at this week, but for the last probably six weeks, there's been a, a group of Waratahs there. You know, no more than seven or eight at a time. But uh, every morning at, or not every morning, but most mornings at uh, at eight eight thirty in the morning, running through drills. And Tekeli's always there, um, and he's pretty easy to spot. So I think he's, you know, he's been working pretty hard. <laughs> it's it good And, and yeah. um, so look, he he did look very on, you know, up, up to speed. I'd say um, in that game. So. Um, so yeah, let's hope to see uh, yep. him, him improve again through the competition. 
Yeah, good call. Um, look, I've, I've, a few I want to mention. <laughs> I was sort of jotting down some notes and I, I got carried away a little bit. But it's great to see Luke Antui back playing rugby. It's been, um, yeah. I think, since early June since he played. This was his first game back. And watch it with a couple of guys at the press box there at Ballymore. He was running pretty high at start, but then got his body height right. But his work rate was fantastic. So, you know, great to see that. I actually thought Kane Douglas played pretty well too. Some some little bit quiet to get his way into the game. But he, oh, he did, some did you? That's, that's really yeah. interesting, Reg, because I actually, I actually wrote this week for rugby.com.au that I thought Douglas, like Tamani, was 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 really quiet, and so that's that's interesting that 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 was your that was your conversation. Yeah, and there's a few in the box who said it. Maybe we're just biased Queenslanders, but yeah, I, I was pretty happy to see him back putting in some big hits and some um, some good work around the ruck. Maybe I'd have to watch the game again, but I, I was pretty happy with what he did. Uh, from the force, Nasarani and Matt Phillip were yeah. fantastic. Nasarani just blows my mind, that guy. He, he just mm. so, doesn't stop in a tackle, just goes forever and ever. Um, but then but then some of the young guys. So I, I talked about Yulesi, but at, at, at the end of that game, the Rising had this, you know, Yulesi on, Forgive my pronunciation, which should just be part of our standard introduction to the to the podcast these days. Um, Freddie Seaga, Emmanuel Marfu, Sa Hayanga, the big lock sort of thing. But mm. all guys who are twenty twenty one or under, yeah. but are massive units, and they worked really well. They had a great work rate. That scrum was fantastic. But um, I thought those guys caught the eye, and then further out, Jack Maddox and and Jack McGregor. Um, well, and, and, Sione, and Sione Tuipilotu too, Reg, and we've yes, seen a little yes. bit of him at this level. Yeah. He, I mean, he's he's just, he's playing inside centre this year as opposed to outside centre the last couple of years, but he still, he busts the first tackle every time. And I, I just think yeah. he's, he's such a talent. And when you see guys like Jack McGregor and um, Jack Maddox as well, he's looking better and better at fullback. There's yeah. actually a, yeah, there's a, it's actually a little bit to get excited about the Rebels next year, I think. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, and, you know, not, Notwithstanding what's happened today and what that might yeah. mean with players heading east, but um, you know there's there is some some really interesting players. I'm really glad you mentioned Matt Phillip because I I had to work not overly hard, but to, I had to make sure he got in the uh, in, in yeah. our team of the week on, on on Monday. I'll just mention Taylor Adams from um, yeah, South I thought Wales he was, I thought he was good. Yeah, reigning Ken Catchfold medal. Um, you reckon Hugh? There's a bit of Young Brad Fittler in his in his sidestep. Yeah, actually, that is a good call. Actually, he he uh, put one on a, to score his first try. That was good, and, and yeah, he scored a, a really um a really clever snuck a second second try there from a from a quick tap, which I to be honest is a tactic that I'd like to see teams employ a bit more. So. More of, yeah, yep, absolutely. No, there was just a little. If you get a chance. To... If you get a chance to see him, Reg, he's just a. There's just that little. It's a massive, big left foot step, but there's just that bit of a like a neck snap, like you know, 17 year old yep. Brad Fittler in the uh, in the brown and white of Penrith. So uh, <laughs> it was a real throwback. So yeah, he, he he's. People would know him. He's the catch five medalist this year for um for West Harbour. I think is that right, Hugh? Ah uh, yes, from West. Yeah, yeah. So no, he's he'll, he'll be handy. I, I worried about the uh, the Eagles. When when Andrew Deegan is headed off to to Japan, but no, nah, there's nothing to worry about there. Taylor Adams, will be, he'll be pretty good. Yeah, as long as he's he's fit. I think he had some sort of injury in that game. We got maybe it was just a big hit, but he was good. Hey, you talk about a player I had no um, awareness of whatsoever. The fullback for the Rams, Cam Bailey. Where's he come from? He looked pretty classy as well at the back there. I thought he looked dangerous too. It'd be one I'll be watching a little bit. Yeah, yeah he's, I, he's I, I can't I think he's come from Manly. Yeah, right. Eh? Yeah, right. Yeah, so, so that's, that's, that's I thought he looked pretty good. good this year. 
that's Billy Melrose yeah. bringing bringing four or five guys over from yes. from Manly with him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, it, it'd be interesting to see how that affects the the, the Rays because obviously the, a, a number of uh, players that yeah. uh, I remember playing for the Rays last year, a guy like Dennis Pili Gaitau. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, well, Katoni um, Ali as Katoni well. Ali, who played, yeah, 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 he's, he's come back yeah. from that horrific leg break. What was that two years ago? Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And he he was really really impressive for the for the Rays there for the first two seasons. Yep. So it's great to see him back at this level. Yeah. Yep. Indeed. Um, all right. Let's guys touch our last question here. So uh, the attacking focus. A lot of tries scored this round. It was interesting. We had the change of points or change back of the points scoring system back to the traditional, um, you know, five points for a try, two for a conversion, three for a penalty. Um, and there were some questions as to whether what impact the penalty, high-value penalties might have. But, Brett, it didn't seem too much. Do you think this high-scoring <laughs> no. footy will be hang around? Yeah, look, I, I, I do. I, I made, made the point on Monday that we saw 47 tries across the first round. Last year it was 32 with eight point tries on yep. on on hand, so um, I'm quite sure 47 tries per round won't be the norm. But um, I'm I'm reasonably confident to say that my scepticism about the move was was misplaced, <laughs> and um, and I'm very happy for that to be the to be the case. And I think uh, you know the few people that I've spoken to, you know, coaches, players, um, you know, comp administrators, they all said the same thing that they they were pretty confident that that it wasn't eight point tries and or, you know six point unconverted tries that was the reason for for, for for teams wanting to throw it around so much, they they want they they threw it around so much because they that's the way they wanted to play, and I think that's that's you know borne out over this weekend's results as well. I, I do I think that the Rams country game will be a little bit indicative. You know, country took two shots at goal inside the first six or seven minutes, and then Mac Mason kicked a penalty, or oh, maybe on about the twenty minute mark. So I think teams will probably use them early. But, you know, it might only be one or two a game, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, I, I think I think the attacking focus is, is going to be there. And, um, you know, if we if we end up with – if we still end up with somewhere in the vicinity of eight or nine tries a game with, uh, with, with you know, five-point tries, then they'll, they'll absolutely have justified the decision. Yeah, it might have been an interview you did with him, with um, uh, Darren, Darren Coleman, is it, the, the Eagles coach? Uh, it is. It was uh, John Minetti I spoke to last week. Um, well, but, but it must be, yeah, whoever the Eagles coach is, it's Darren Cole. Maybe it wasn't you, Brett. Oh, forgive me. I do read other um, writers sometimes. <laughs> but um, but uh, <laughs> Coleman made the comment that, um, you know, he's regretting the grand final last year is that they didn't play grand final footy. You know, they, yeah. they, they tried to play, you know, the, the free NRC type stuff. Uh, and so I just had that inkling that maybe every now and again they'll try and put that into the play this year and perhaps it didn't quite work in round one. Hugh, from your perspective, is it, you know, one of the criticisms NRC gets is these high, super high scoring games um, and, and the jokes about the defence. And I, I must admit, watching the Brisbane City and some of the defensive work by Quaid and AJ Alatumi and even Jaden Nagamu at fullback was pretty damn soft. Um, you know, is that just new combinations coming together? Do you think it's a justified criticism? What's what's your, I guess, retort or, or justification for that? Well, I think you hit, you hit the nail on the head there. I think it is just new combinations coming together. And, and you know, defence is, is one of those things that comes with time together and trusting your, your inside man and having, having those established... Uh, combinations in the back road in midfield and and you know these these NRC teams most of them are sort of cobbled together a little bit uh, bits and pieces and and 
with some people from different clubs and different teams, it's it's uh, always a little bit of a tough task getting those defensive systems. Whereas you know, the attack does come together fairly quickly, and and we've seen that in in seasons past, and that's something that teams tend to get right before they get defence right. And and also the the attacking spirit of the comp and the laws and the refereeing designed to to speed the game up certainly has the, has the benefit of helping attack a lot more than it does defence. So look, I, I think um. You know, you, you, the problem being we, we haven't seen a, a huge amount of continu, continuance um, from last year's. And a hu, you know, uh, the Perth Spirit have kept their team together in the Melbourne team. There are a few have, but I know the Sydney teams has been a little bit of musical chair. Yeah. So I'm not sure that's yeah. going to help at all. So, so in terms of are we going to see similar sort of scoring? Then I think that's uh, that's definitely something I'd expect to see because um, mm. you know. It's what the people want to see, Reg. It's I want to see some tries and I yeah, don't exactly. think that's a huge exactly. It it always it always amuses me, Reg, that you, you see the argument coming back saying, you know, they 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 defend better like that than in, in you know, shoot shield or in club rugby. But I could I could point you to two finals games in the shoot shield in the last three weeks that are very similar to those forty five, thirty three <laughs> type score lines that we saw over the weekend. And we've got to remember <laughs> these guys are club players it's the same players so if they you know if they're having defensive issues in a finals game three weeks ago those same problems aren't going to be solved in an in, in RC game three weeks into the future and, and defences as we know are only as good as their uh, as their weakest link so it doesn't at all surprise me that these sort of score lines are there and, and the, the turnaround time and the, the short lived nature of the season like you said Hugh is, um, is spot on yeah, all right. Valid points. Good stuff. Well, regardless, it's great rugby to watch. And it's on again this weekend. So just quickly, the games this weekend on Saturday. Queensland Country play Brisbane City up at Noosa. Ugh, what a what a fantastic opportunity. What a, to, what a joke at Noosa. I know. It's got my name all over it. I've just got to get oh. uh, the, the approval from the, the social coordinator. Um, uh, then after that, <laughs> the Melbourne Rising are hosting Fiji um, at uh, 3 o'clock kickoff. I think that's the Fox... Um, broadcast game down at Harlequins there uh, and then on Sunday Canberra Vikings take on the Perth Spirit so the Spirit will see how they go on the road there and as Brett alluded to we'll see if they sort of stick with the same squad at Viking Park there at the one o'clock game and then Sydney Rays make their first um, uh, appearance of the season when they host the Rams at Macquarie Uni on Sunday afternoon that's three o'clock that'll be the broadcast game as well and now that Macquarie Uni big weekend of footy at Macquarie Uni because it's also the second round of the Aon Uni Sevens at Macquarie Uni so not only is the NRC there but also that fantastic women's sevens tournament I talked about previously on the show It, it really is worth uh if you can't get out to Macquarie Uni and watch it watching the live stream on, on the RU site or on their Facebook page because I generally enjoyed the rugby. It was great quality. So it's uh, well done to those involved in sort of combining those two events. Can I, can I just say, Reg, that, um, that I reckon you'll have better luck selling Noosa to your social coordinator than I will in selling Goulburn in a few weeks' time down here. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's Goulburn. You're not, you're not positioning for a Fiji trip, mate. <laughs> oh, if only. If only. Exactly. I'm still I'm still open to offers if uh, if any any uh, sponsors of the competition are, um, are listening. <laughs> Twiggy, nice. where's Twiggy? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're still waiting for Twiggy. Look, even, we put the call out to you a couple of podcasts ago. Even Twiggy's third in command would do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, lads, we're going to wrap it up. Monster show tonight. Obviously, lots to talk about. We appreciate Paul coming on. Brett, thank you for coming on once again. Really enjoy your company and your insight. No problems at all. Thanks for, for having me once again, guys. 
Excellent. And to you, Hugh, as well, one of our uh, um, regular contributors, obviously backing up week in, week out. We appreciate you, Hugh. Oh, yeah, Red. Look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old workhorse, really. Just, just get the job done. Nothing too flashy, as always. And it's great because what people don't realise is that Pablo actually beat you in the tipping contest that you talked yourself up all season. So oh, really appreciate it. I was really, you know, I had to bite my tongue there. Guys. I had to bite my tongue there. It was really, oh, God. I mean, but I like, let, let's get let's get the legal chat going every week. I think it just makes us all seem a bit more intelligent. Oh, and, 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 uh, I forgot yeah. to say, how I've, I have devoured legal. I've never had so much legal. So, you know, today I read through the John Connolly Queensland Rugby Union case. Oh, yes. Oh, my word, that was astounding and really quite roaring for Queensland rugby. They could be in the hole for 200000 300000 and that type of money is not there at the moment. So that's that's a big concern for them. But that was just, call it administrative incompetence, but it was pretty poor. I was actually thinking about that, Reg. I, I read uh, Jim Tucker's um, take on, the, on on that from over, over the weekend of the Courier Mail, and it was quite alarming to see the words cash-strapped attached to as a prefix to the Queensland Reds already. And it's like, here we go again. Mate, who's got – which footy club has got – or rugby union club at least – has got 200 grand, 250 grand lying around for – Payouts and legal fees, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. It's just it's well, a big none, worry. Of them, sir, no, none of them. Well, you certainly. know who needs to yeah. come to the aid of Queensland rugby, Clive Palmer. Yes, we oh. we need if, we need dueling mining millionaires. Yeah, yeah. oh, <laughs> dueling rebel comps. How good. If Australian sports shown us anything, it's the involvement of billionaires uh, in, in 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 all competitions is can only ever be a good thing. Yeah, and if yeah, exactly right. And if, if you know, if uh, these resource boom from the mining sort of produced these, surely there's a legal boom. Surely we, we should position ourselves to these legal companies. That's where our next realm of, of big sponsorship opportunities surely must come. Considering how much money was spent, Australian rugby is spent with lawyers this year. It's uh, it's ridiculous. But let's wrap it up, guys. Uh, massive show. Thanks to our listeners once again. Plenty of rugby on this weekend. We hope you get out there and enjoy it. Um, go the Wallabies on Saturday night. Um, and to all teams participating, NRC and A on Uni 7s, and we'll catch you next week. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a de Beer.